I started teaching a lot with the Mission Church when I joined Mission Arlington, and, and what I've learned from that is, um, you know, you're supposed to, you know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High rests in the shadow of the Almighty. So I go to my secret place uh, in, when I prepare to teach every week. And after this, for them, some of you may notice that I sprint out of here afterwards. It's not because I don't like you and want to visit with you. <clears throat> it's that I pastor an apartment church up the street over here and have been doing that for since 2012, I guess. Wow, it's getting, uh, and I love that. It, it keeps me in the Word. And you're, you sound really smart when you share God's Word, so I like that too. So it's always, as long as it's His stuff, you, you're, you're good. <clears throat> uh, the thing that about this time when Jesus, when God brought Jesus to the earth, it's the most important event in human history. I mean, it, it fulfilled the prophecies and it began the grace message. And it's just an incredible time <clears throat> that is really in a way under attack. And I've, I've always kind of wondered why such a sweet thing of grace would, would be under attack in our culture. Um, but that's for another time. So we're going to dig in. And I really wanted to focus on, on Joseph, and then I, then I stumbled into Gabriel. And I was having this dilemma all week. I was carrying, you know, Gabriel, Joseph, and I decided just to do a little of both. So we'll, we'll get started. Hopefully. I'm right-clicking. Left-click? Okay. Is that better? All right. Um, so Gabriel and Joseph, what can we what can we learn from them? Make sure I'm going the right way. It was working great earlier. Okay, you guys do that for me, okay? So the the I'm going to start with a prophecy, and you know Gabriel. When Gabriel showed up in the New Testament, a couple of places, it makes you want to go back to the Old Testament and say where did where did Gabriel show up there? And one thing. In, in Daniel, Daniel's a book, and there's a lot of prophecy in Daniel that we, we don't understand. But when it, when it comes to talking about the Holy One, um, we zero in. And so 77 is a time frame. So if you take 70 times 7, it's 490, if my math is right. And they estimate that the book of Daniel was written about 530 B.C. So that's an estimate. So between the 490 and the 530, you're zeroing in right on where, where, where the Messiah came. So it's, it talks about that time frame. So 77s are decreed for your people, the Jewish people in your holy city, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in the everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place or the most holy one, as you look at the different interpretations. So here's this beautiful thing in, where Daniel has this, he's in prayer, and the angel Gabriel specifically comes to him and shares this with him pointing us, and I, I don't think Daniel fully understood, but pointing us to the anointed one, to the fulfillment of prophecy. So let's go to the next slide. Now, these are all the prophecies about Jesus' birth, and we'd be here all afternoon if we, if we were going to go through all these. So this is a, a if you ever want this slide, uh, let me know, and there's a beautiful Advent book that this came out of uh, that I'd love for you to have. But one, one of the ones in here that we'll talk a little bit about, of course, born in Bethlehem and called to Egypt, and uh, but born of the Virgin Mary. That, that Those are all really significant so that we would have really no doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. Okay, next slide. 
So here comes, here comes Gabriel again. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Wouldn't it be nice if someone told you your children were going to be a joy and a delight? <clears throat> Mine are a joy and delight. Took a little work getting there, but they're a joy and a delight. Um, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, so I wouldn't qualify because I love wine. Me and Howard, we love wine. <clears throat> um, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heads of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, I love Zachariah's response. It just cracks me up. You know, he says, well, how? hey, <laughs> Gabe, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old guy and my wife's well along in years. Now, that was politically correct, all right? My wife is well along in years. I mean, that's a good way to say that. And, and the, the angel got a little bent out of shape and he said, hey, I'm Gabriel, dude. I stand in the presence of God. All right, and I've been sent here to speak to you and tell you the good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Basically, just shut up, Gabe. And I had I have a C12 group, a bunch of men, and, and and we meet once a month, and that's regularly what they tell me, Bob. Just don't, just shut up. You know, just be quiet. And on a variety of topics, a lot of them having to do with your kids. You know, leave them alone, just let them grow up. So here's, here's another instance. So Gabriel's busy. Gabriel had a great job. Think about it. Gabriel got to go tell Daniel, hey, 500 years from now, we're going to do this thing. And then you can imagine Gabriel's anticipation because he knew he was going to get to go at some point. The Lord was going to send him to Elizabeth and to Mary. And he had to wait a long time for that. So here he is in, in, the, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. He gets to come back to Mary. So God sent Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So in the Jewish tradition, you get engaged and betrothed and then married. And that betrothal usually in the, in the, in the strict tradition would last a year. And it was symbolic, but it basically, you know, there's this inference that, to, you know, if you were a virgin, they wanted to make sure. So they were going to wait a whole year, and then you could get married. And, and, you know, I don't know how much of that they were serious about and how much was tradition, but that's what was going on with Mary and Joseph, okay? So it's, it's significant when you think about the prophecy um, of a virgin Mary. So they weren't married yet. Uh, they were just pledged to be married. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went and said, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord's with you. You're but Mary was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. I mean, can you imagine somebody coming and telling you that? How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will descend upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age 
And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Her reaction was quite different than Zachariah's, you'll notice. She was, she was very obedient. And I wonder what I would be like if the Lord approached me in that direct way. Would I be like Zachariah in, in, in doubt? Or would I be like Mary and just submit? So there's, you know, it's a very interesting kind of thought process about when God approaches us and, and, we, and we have our kingdom. What, what is that? What is that? What are, how are we going to do? So what's our gift? What do you have to share in the kingdom? Some of those gifts have to be developed. Um, the first time I had to, had to ever speak in front of a group was a builder group in the 90s uh, at a big conference. There were 400 people in there, and I got up on stage, and I opened my mouth, and nothing came out, nothing. And that went on for about four or five years. It took a while for me to calm down. But now it seems like constantly the Lord was preparing me, whether it's entitlement work on our development company or others. He's helped me develop a gift that I didn't even know I had, and I'm so grateful. And my purpose in life I get from Jesus' prayer in Matthew, which is to know him and make him known. So I believe that's all of our, our gifts. All of our purpose in life is just to know him and then to make him known. And we can do that in whatever job we have or wherever we go. The other thing I learned from the whole Gabriel thing is, and you see it all the time, is God regularly ties Jesus to the prophecies in the Old Testament and a lot of wisdom to the Old Testament. There's all these parallels back and forth. Psalm 22 is one of my favorite that we learned in Havarim last year. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus said that, we all think he's crying out to God. Well, he's referring to Psalm 22, which described everything that happened to him that day. He's pointing to his disciples and his people so they would know. So that's a parallel. And then one of my favorites, I threw this in here, it doesn't to do with Joseph or, or Gabriel. It's, it just keeps me grounded in my belief. And that is that in Romans 1.20, you know, you may not... You may not see and get to talk to God, but you can know him by what he's created. So whenever I struggle with doubt, all I have to do is start to look around me at what he's created and be in awe of the universe in the Milky Way. And, and, and I've even found pictures of little microscopic insects that look like Fabergé eggs. You can't see them, but they're magnificent. And other people have found them with these giant lenses. And so when I talk about being grounded in creation, I always show those because, you know, we can't see them. And yet they're there for us to discover. Anyway, moving on. So let's go on to Joseph for a second. Jacob, this is what we know. There's not a lot about Joseph, but there's a lot we can learn by the few scripture that is there. Um, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus, when Jesus was born, who was called the Messiah. Joseph was a descendant of King David almost a thousand years after David's death. And the scripture predicted Jesus would come from David's line. So we know that about him. Next slide, please. All right, both Matthew and Luke's Gospels reveal that Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, there's that word again, really important to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. In another gospel, it says he, he was going to quietly divorce her. So we, we learned now, the other thing we know about the Jewish people is, you know, God wanted, um, they're, they're, they came of age much younger. 
I mean, people were getting married, their parents were arranging marriages, although it looks like they were, in certain scripture, able to approve those marriages. Um, but they were very young. So 14, 15, 16, you know, by 20, if you weren't married, the rabbis were all over you. And they were like, dude, something's wrong. You need to get on, get, get after it. And, you know, God knew they were going to be under attack. So there was this desire for them to start their families early and have big families. They were going to need it to survive. So you can imagine Joseph's heartbreak when his betrothed is found to be with child. The one thing that this tradition held for the waiting period was to avoid that, to make sure that didn't happen. And his initial reaction, and you can, you know, you can think about it. They're no different. People haven't changed. So if Carrie came to me and said, when we were betrothed, and said, you're not going to believe this when I'm pregnant, but I didn't have sex with anybody, and, and it was just a God thing. You know, well, he reacted the same way you're reacting, which is, yeah, I'm right. And his initial reaction was not great. And uh, I think he was heartbroken. Now, we get a glimpse into his character because he didn't, he didn't scream and yell. He was calm and candid when challenged. That's one of our core values at our company. And um, he was contemplating what a righteous man would do in this situation. And he felt like what the right thing to do was to follow the tradition and get a divorce, to get, to get a separation, if you would, but do it in a way that respected Mary and was quiet and send her away where she could have the baby and not be disgraced. So our next slide. All right, now, we don't know which angel came, but we do know that there, before this scripture, um, while Joseph was asleep, an angel came. Which angel do you think came? Yeah, I think it was Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel was the central angel in all this. So although it doesn't say Gabriel, I'm guessing he got the job. Um, so Joseph awoke from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Okay, next slide. So we learn a lot about Joseph. He would have come under incredible ridicule in his culture for sticking with Mary. Um, and we know a little bit from some other scripture that he was a carpenter. He was a modest man, and by, his, by the sacrifice he gives later, we'll know that he was even poor. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem after Jesus was born to present him and to offer sacrifice in keeping what was said in the law. So we know he was, he was someone who respected his faith. And a pair of doves or two young pigeons is what they gave. Well, in the, in the laws, I, I think it's in um, Leviticus where they talk about the sacrifices. And he was, you, you, if, you, if you could, you gave a lamb and one dove. But if you were poor, you gave two doves. So we know from digging around and understanding the tradition that, that he was not a wealthy man by any means. And then we also know when Jesus, remember when Jesus started his ministry and he came back to his own, you said, you know, a prophet's not ever respected in their hometown. So Jesus came back and he was teaching, and people were amazed, except they began to mock him when they realized who he was. Isn't this the carpenter's son? And they said that with disdain. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the, you know, the poor guy down the street? 
Um, isn't his mother's name Mary? You know, isn't she the one that got pregnant before they got married? I mean, think about that. I mean, that's what they were thinking, right? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Isn't, isn't that the guy? And they had no respect for him. So it gives you some more insight into what Joseph lived with because of what he did for Mary and what God, what God did. Isn't it interesting how God chose the way he chose to bring Jesus into the world? And, and you think about it, he had to do it that way because the prophecy said a virgin. So if they had gotten married and had the baby afterwards, it wouldn't have met the prophecy and people would have always doubted, well, he wasn't really the son of God. It took, it took the virgin conception. And it took Joseph. You, know, you think about what a big deal it is to put your kids in somebody's hands. So this is the son of God, and he chose Joseph. He knew Joseph's character. And the guy was 16, 17 years old. His character was so well-developed. So from the type of sacrifice he gave, from the reaction, we know they had humble beginnings. And we know that Joseph was disciplined in the traditions of his faith. So you can start to see the, the, what, what, what a father and a leader of a household, how we're supposed to behave. And the ridicule we could come under for obeying the Lord. We should almost expect that a little bit. People make fun of us. Uh, because of our faith. So, let's see. When Joseph and Mary had done everything, they returned to Galilee, to their own town, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and grace. It was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12, this is the last time we hear anything about Joseph, by the way. So, the, 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 the historians, the theologians all believe that that this was it, that sometime between now and Jesus' ministry, Joseph died. So his parents were returning home. The boy, Jesus, stayed behind, and they were unaware of it. By this time, they probably had more kids, right? We read about all those kids they had. So the big caravan was leaving and, and going home, and Jesus kind of didn't join them. And it took them a day. So they began you know, looking for him. Where's Jesus? They couldn't find him. So they turned around and went back to, Jesus, to Jerusalem to look for him. It took them three days to find him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Remember, he was 12. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. They weren't too happy. Mom said, why have you treated like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And he said, why are you searching for me? He said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But even then, they didn't fully understand what he was saying to them. But Jesus was obedient, and he went to Nazareth with them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I want to grow in favor with God and man. So if I emulate the kind of man Joseph was, that I'll have promised to find favor with God and with man. And our goal is to finish well, right? No, no scandals, no tragedy. Uh, as a believer, we don't want to ever embarrass the Lord. And Joseph didn't. From all accounts, Joseph finished well and honored the Lord. He loved God and listened to him. He protected Mary when tradition, he, he could have, she could have been punished even to death, and he could have moved on. But he was willing just to love her. He, he forego any intimacy until after Jesus was born because he understood the critical nature in some way of the virgin birth. He got that. 
a lot of self-restraint. By all accounts, he loved Jesus and brought him up in the traditions of the faith and taught him to make his way as a carpenter. What, what, what he knew how to do, he shared with Jesus. And Joseph didn't get to see Jesus finish well in fulfillment of all the scriptures on the cross, but you can bet he knew he was ready. I think when he went to, back to Jerusalem when he was 12, and they were, everybody was so amazed at Jesus and his knowledge. Joseph had to take great pride in that, that Jesus was ready, even at 12. So what will my dad's legacy be? Um, I, was, I keep these pictures of these two guys up in my office because they're great dads, and I lost them this last couple of years. And they, to me, these two over here, Randy and Dan, and they remind me constantly to be a good papa. And I just wanted to honor them and their memory as we're talking about dads today, talking about Joseph. And what a great job Joseph did. What a great job these guys did. And how many do you know? You know, um, and they did a great job because they loved the Lord. Not everybody, not all of them came to know the Lord early, but as they grew in faith, you could see the sea change of behavior in their life. And I was so grateful. And then these are my kids that the Lord has given me to shepherd. I have a son in China, and that is his betrothed, Yatin. Yatin doesn't speak English. And we've, we've been to China a couple times to meet her and her family, and she's just delightful. And we pass the phone back and forth on the translator so we can talk. And Will got sick one time and left us and had to go lay down, so we're with Yatin all day. Uh, with no translator because Will's fluent, and uh, and actually I think that, I think the Lord probably ushered that in because Carrie and I had the best day with Yetting, just her and the two of us in our in our translator app, and then there's the rest of my herd. Um, my biggest job is to shepherd the Schnauzer. Um, that's that's my I Papa the Schnauzer, um, but the the legacy that we give our kids, will they know about the secret place? Well, they know Psalm 91. You know, what are the, are, are we raising our children up in the way they should go? Knowing that if they stray, they'll come back. And that as they experiment in life of being outside of God's will and they experience that pain, they'll know to be drawn back because rest and peace and love, not that there won't be trials, but rest and peace and love are all available for us as we dig into God's will and we go into our secret place and we learn about his word and we study the people that he gave us to study, there's a reason why they're in there. So I just, it, you know, as we go into the, the, the Christmas season, I, I thought it was just kind of cool to look at someone we don't know a lot about. Um, and and his, his step-papa, you know, Jesus' step-papa. And what a great job he did and what a great legacy he left. So that's, my goal is to do life with you as we, as we build this kingdom-minded church of saints and that we build each other up to be better mothers, better fathers. Uh, that fragrant aroma of a Christian, not judgment, but just love. If, we, if that can be our goal as saints in this church is just to be that fragrant aroma and to finish well and to honor God all the way to the end. And, and not to stumble. I think that's a great prayer. So let's, let's pray that.
Father God, we thank you for who you picked and for your wisdom. And we're so incredibly grateful for Joseph and his willingness to be obedient and to surrender. It had to be really hard, Father, for him to have the scorn, really, of his own people and their judgment and, and not their love. And we're, we're grateful for his strength and his ability to finish well and for the shepherd that he was of Jesus and the rest of the family and Mary. And we're grateful for his example so that we can be strengthened in our resolve to be obedient and to hear your angel Gabriel when and if he ever comes to us. Father, we thank you for your son and we offer up our, our worship and our time together in his precious name.